So let's get into this conversation. Let's. So, okay. Welcome to the Work and Play podcast. My name is Ariel. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome for coming in. So let's do this. Um, This is the second Work and Play podcast. So we're still evolving on what the setup is going to look like. Uh But I'd like to introduce on the Work and Play podcast, I'd like to introduce my boss friends, talk about your story. And so I can learn a little bit more about how you got Uh to where you are. And even learn some ways that we can all, when I say we, our listeners can navigate Uh in their own career journeys and figure out what they want to do next. Gotcha. So without further ado, let me, this beautiful voice, this sultry voice, let me introduce her. (laughs) This is Miss Kanisha Montague. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you take it away and introduce yourself. Okay. I really don't even know where to start my career. I feel like I've done a million things. Mm, but um she really has, y'all. Yes. I'm Kanisha Montague, Ari's friend. Um, we met actually while I was doing bar fitness, which is completely different from what I'm doing now. But right. <laughs> but um yes, I'm twenty nine years old, living here in Atlanta, um, Caribbean heritage. And yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so that's the background. Where shall we start? What do you currently do, Kanisha? Okay. All right. So <laughs> I'm currently working in TV. I've been working in TV for probably about eight years, um, managing eight networks right now. Used to work for the Weather Channel prior to that, doing digital work. Okay. Um, and then I've also worked for Candy Birds. I used to do editing for her. Wow. I used to um, work for um, Dr. Chinzira, doing documentaries for her. Okay. And so I've just always been in the TV landscape. I love TV. Um, and I love people trying to figure out like why we watch what we watch or, you know, what, um, advertisements would, um, you know, bring more attention to certain people during certain shows. Like okay. it's a lot of background research and I just kind of like fell in love with it. Mm. Um, so now I'm working at Bounce TV, but also working for Grit, Laugh, Court TV, Court TV UK, okay. Mystery, um, Defy and The Real. Okay. So doing the same thing I was doing for the Weather Channel, but for all of these networks. Yes. That is so much to get into. And that is so cool. See, Mm -hmm. one thing about this podcast, I'm going to do a lot more research so I can learn a little bit more about like all those crazy, cool things that you are getting into. I don't know how I would have even found out that you, so I knew you were in TV production, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know what part of TV production you were part of. So it sounds like you're on the research side of things. And then, okay. So tell me a little bit more about how you even got into the research. Did you know, or did you always think you're going to be behind the camera or did you go from wanting to be from on the front of the camera to Mm -hmm. the back of the camera? I was never in front of the camera. Never. Like, you know, I, I have a big personality sometimes and other times I'm kind of just like, I'm very technical. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I want to make sure that things translate the way I want them to translate. So that's okay. how I ended up behind the scenes. Okay. Um, and initially I wanted to go to school for dance at Spelman. My dad said no. <laughs> he was like, if we're paying for college, you need to figure out something else that's a little bit more like concrete. Yeah, yeah. So I picked up psychology okay. and um, got into like mind and how people think and make the decisions that they make. Then I was like, yeah, this is cool, but we are, where's the creative, right? And I'm a creative person. So I'm like, I have to figure out a way to bridge the two. So I took a documentary course and the documentary teacher basically was like, what you're going to do is find a subject and then, which is people, right? Studying people and then figure out a story that would translate to an audience. So me and a partner, we, um, 
ended up walking the streets of Atlanta one day, jumped off the train, um, walked down. I can't remember the name of the street, but it was a homeless shelter. We went in and we were like, you know, it could be a great story. We do like a homeless story, but that's been done before. So like, what else can we do? So there was an art studio right next to the homeless shelter that was open for homeless artists. They could come in and, you know, be creative and get them off the streets, keep them out of trouble. Ran into this lady who, um, she was like full of energy, colorful, and like just so vibrant. We couldn't believe that she was actually homeless, but she was. She was a great artist, a great singer, and like she just started spilling out all these things that she had been through, and our camera wasn't even on. So we were like, she's a subject. Okay. Right? So we followed her around for a year, getting all this footage, and then we put together a 12-minute documentary (laughs) (laughs) after following her for a year because, you know, they don't need everything. Yeah. They need, like, the hit points. Yeah. So after we did that, it um, premiered at Midtown Art Cinema. Okay. And the response that we got really showed me, like, you probably belong here. Mm -hmm. Like, this is my first time doing a documentary and kind of just, like, you know, figuring out as I went. And it worked without me having to throw too much energy into it. It kind of felt Mm -hmm. natural to me. Mm -hmm. So now I was like, okay, well, I can study people and be in the film industry and be creative. Mm -hmm. So after I graduated, I was like, dang, I got to get into some kind of network. (laughs) But you realize how hard it is to get a job after you leave college. So I'm like, dang, like I have to take something that's not exactly what I want, but is along the lines that can get me there. Yeah. And a friend of mine, her mom um, worked at the Weather Channel as a lawyer, and she got me in in research. So that's how I ended up in research, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is super ex- exciting. So you did one project that, that lit your life up, mm-hmm. and you had to, I'm assuming in this project, you had to, one, film film her. Yep. To listen to, then two, listen to her story and then find out what those high points are. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do the editing yep. and the write-up, I'm sure? Yeah. So what did that project entail? Oh, boy. Long nights, sleepless nights. Um, Like, literally, imagine, like, reality TV. They follow you around with the camera. Yeah. That's, we were her camera crew, basically. And she was homeless in and out of that year. So, you know, when she was sleeping in her car, we would be right there. Not overnight with her in her car. It's Mm -hmm. invasive. But, (laughs) you know, like, recording her. And she was just so open that she didn't mind us being in that small space with her. And then, you know, she would smoke, she would get a little high, she want to talk, and you're like, okay, cool, like, let's do this, whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so a lot of that, and then a lot of sitting in front of the, the computer, looking at all the footage and, like, asking ourselves, do people, is this going to grab people? Is this part going to grab people? Is this part important? Does this part fall in the storyline? Cutting a lot of things out, because initially the documentary was 30 minutes, we watched it, and we watched it with, like, a small crowd of people, and they were like, ah, oh, you don't need half of this. Mm-hmm. So we ended up having to cut it, and it hurts because, you know, you go and you get all this footage, and you're like, but no, like, it's really important. And people are like, but it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of cutting, a lot of, um, you know, hurt feelings about a lot of background work done. But, um, and then the music also plays a big part in film. Okay. Um, So not necessarily, like, the words but you have to add some kind of like musicality behind it in order for the words to kind of fit into the story and still keep people's attention because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not about what they hear but what they see yeah um so a lot of it 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 was just a lot of puzzle puzzle putting together yeah Yeah. like make this make sense to Mm -hmm. a large group of people okay so since this was your first time 
how were you approaching, like, what was your mindset at the time? Like, were you like, oh, I need, do you remember saying, we need sad music right here or we need this <laughs> artist? Like, how did you think about that? And then how did you think through communicate, like what you wanted to communicate after mm-hmm. looking at all of the footage? So the story kind of developed itself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had an idea that we were kind of like, we want to show people like Atlanta has this place for homeless artists and we found one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after being with her, we realized that she had like mental health issues. She had family issues. And then it kind of just turned into like a, a biopic of her. Okay. And then there were certain parts that obviously felt sad because she's telling you something really sad, but you don't want to milk it. You know, like, you, you're like, I'm watching this sad scene, and they just put, like, the sad noise in the back, Now I feel like I'm about to cry for three days. Like, yeah. you don't want that. Yeah. But you want people to feel like, I feel what she feels mm-hmm. without them having to force it on me. So we would, like, put a song in, and we'd watch the clip, and we're like, ah, that's not it. we put another song in, and we'll watch the clip. We'd be like, that's close, but that's not it. Yeah. And we would do that, like, over and over until we watched it, and it felt like, I get it. Oh, so that took that took a lot of time. Okay, so when you when you speak about this experience, and and I think I told you about this, but when I left my job, I spent a year at Covenant House, Georgia, working with homeless young people. Uh-huh. So that whole year, I submerged myself into that life. But one of the things that people do in the homeless industry. Um, when they try to fundraise mm-hmm. is tell a young person's story from the milkiest perspective. Yeah. I mean, they want to, yeah, like if yes. they could get the yes. violins, they would literally, and what it sounds like is you did that. You told her story from a place where she was respected. Now I'm only assuming, right. But I'd love mm-hmm. for you to share a little bit about what were the reactions from the video. Um, and, and then do you feel like something like what you did in um, school would be mm-hmm. a good deliverable that even homeless shelters could use to tell a story and get millions of dollars mm-hmm. without using that? Like, That's awesome. What do you, what do you, okay, well, first, what do you think about, what were the reactions? Let's mm-hmm. start there. And then we can kind of talk a little bit more about like that, that piece. Cause I think that there's definitely opportunity to take something like that. Yeah. And make these people still human mm. and they still get millions of dollars. So first, what were their reactions though? So I didn't know what to expect. Like, you know, when you're really close to a project and it feels like your baby, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. like, yeah. you know, you see all the imperfections. Even if you feel like I've been working on this for forever, I just got to put it out. And then, you know, while I was watching, I was like, oh, cringe moment. Mm, I could have fixed that. But while other people were watching it, people were crying sitting next to us. People were like, oh, my gosh. People were clapping during the 12 minutes. Like, you know, random parts that feel really good in the movie. You're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And when they were doing it, it kind of felt surreal because I'm like, really? Like, that made y'all feel that way? That's really cool. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. Um, the girl who was the subject, she brought friends with her for support because she was like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to feel seeing my story on TV, but, um, she cried. Her friends were like, y'all captured her really well. So, you know, that made me proud. I don't know why I'm feeling some type of way right now. <laughs> I am not the most don't, emotional do person. Not. Please don't. I swear I'm not. I don't know why. Mm, let me get that together. I think that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. So your career started with that. Um, okay. I'm so curious about where the research yeah. started. So you can, we can actually take that question about homelessness, the homelessness industry, if mm-hmm. you want to tackle that. Right now? Or, or how did research play a part in what you did? Like, did, were you doing a lot of statistic work? Or what research goes into 
making that documentary what it was. And if you can think about it from a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. even if you didn't do as much research as you would have as a professional, oh, yeah, what, for what sure. research goes in, into that type of project? So we did a lot of research on, even in the in the beginning when we first found her, because we weren't 100% sold that this is a story. We just thought that she was a great subject. Okay. So we were still thinking that homelessness was a story. So we did a lot of research on homeless shelters in Atlanta, period. Like, um, we went to a couple of different ones. We talked to a couple of different people. And, you know, research can be qualitative and quantitative. Okay. So about money, uh, not money, but numbers and also about, like, information, right? So, you know, we're like, oh, let's compare the homeless shelters in Atlanta. Let's see how they're treated, men compared to women, because there's a difference there. Or um, children in homeless shelters. And then we can have her speak on the overall experience of a homeless person. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So the subject was still homelessness. And we were doing all our research up here when, you know, the subject was really the story. So that's probably where most of the research went in. And then when you talk to people... You know, I just I just have this thing where I listen more than I speak when I meet people because I think that's research also in itself. Like speaking to someone, you hear what they say, but then what they don't say, what you can like read between the lines and pick up, that's research too, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it helped me figure out how to how to communicate with her. You know, I don't want to talk at her. I want her to feel like she has known me for forever because I need her to open up so that we can get a good story. Yeah. So when she starts talking, I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, like, you know, taking it all in. That's research for me. So the next time I come back and I speak to her, I'm approaching it in a different way based on what I learned from our first interaction. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Guys, so I, like like Kanisha mentioned, we met during um, our time at, you know, in in Bar Fitness. And so, of course, we didn't get a chance to talk so much Mm -hmm. about our corporate careers because we were also in a space, like, working towards our entrepreneurial muscle. So I think we both were like... Eh, corporate job. That's what it is. It, it, it's there. I don't remember talking much about my corporate job. I, we never talked about yours. That's true. And now I'm learning the makings of your career has just been amazing. So I'm so oh, excited to get into the next part. So <laughs> as a professional now, and, and of course we have to get into your actual like professional role. Mm-hmm. But if I just ask you this question again, what do you think about using footage like that to like as like a fundraising platform, do you like, and you know, we have to put this on the podcast so that mm-hmm. people can see what this documentary oh, looks yeah, like. Cool. <laughs> and I still feel like, oh, that's my baby. Don't judge it. I'm sensitive about my shit. You know how that goes. I love yeah. it. I, I literally, I had tears already coming. So just from you talking about it, but it sounds like it was an authentic way to tell a person's story mm-hmm. without demeaning them. Yeah. Do you think now that we're talking about it, homeless in- the homeless industry could tap into something like this this type of format mm-hmm. to authentically tell a story and still get the funds that they are looking for without exploiting their yeah. young people or and people. that's the hard part mm-hmm. right because you don't want to make someone feel like they're being used yeah. even though you know there's there's an end goal to this right so I think it could be it, it definitely could be but whoever is behind the camera would have to be very um uh, compassionate and sincere about what they're doing and who the subjects are because you can't you can't just use people to get what you want especially if it's to benefit them you want them to understand um that this is a safe space this is a comfortable space and yeah we're trying to get this at the end of the day but your story is just as important if not more to us mm. 
so compassionate. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like the person must also have a level of um, experience doing the research. Like yeah. I'm assuming, I know you guys were college students, but what type of, what skills, let's go ahead and just line it out. What skills does a person need? Of course, com- compassion, um, having that ability to do research, that way it informs your qualitative research and your quantitative data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds also like a bit of like conversation. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it sounds like you also wore like many different hats too, because I can imagine at a nonprofit, one, two max, people mm-hmm. will be able to be funded for something like this. Mm. But That's great. I mean, it sounds like it was two of you guys. You were experienced. I'm, I'm feeling like the person who's listening to this, who's in college right now, who is passionate about helping um, with homelessness or, you know, vi- domestic violence or anything mm-hmm. like that would be a great fit for something like this. Yeah. So I what agree. other skills do you feel like you picked up during that project? Lot. dedication dedication and just like because there were times where my partner would tell me like yo like I'm dropping out like we've been following this girl for a year I'm tired like and you would have to be the one who if you're working in a partnership you would have to be the one that regardless of what happens like your feelings about the project can never waver which is difficult, especially mm. if you're working with someone else, because a lot of times people's energies rub off on you. So your partner could be like, yo, the story is not coming together. What are we about to do? And you could also start feeling like that, too. But you have to remember the end goal. Mm. So those nights where you're not sleeping because you're editing the same little clip over and over to get it perfect. Mm. Like that cannot waver from the beginning of the project to the end. Mm. So dedication for sure. That's awesome. Maybe a lot of Red Bull. Okay. <laughs> that was like a that. period yeah. of time. Yeah. And I know you're more natural now, so I don't know when the last time you had a Red Bull. But Girl, I, I cannot do it. But back then, <laughs> what rebels lined up? Okay. Yes. You gotta stay away. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that was a cool project. Mm-hmm. It got you your first job into the in the Weather Channel in yep. the research department. Mm-hmm. How much of that did you take to your first job? And then how much of it did you like? Oh, I wish I was doing more of that. I wish I was doing more of that. You know, you're so green when you graduate from college. You feel like, oh, like, I can still do whatever I want. And no. <laughs> I learned that very quick. Like opposite. Very, very quick while I was working in corporate. Um, you know, because it's research. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. But, you know, your girl's a producer. Like, no, you're not. You worked on one project. And these people, these producers have been doing this for years. So, mm-hmm. like... I would use my film and like send it to people on LinkedIn that worked at the Weather Channel in production, same building as me. And I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm on the fourth floor. You could check this out. Let me know if you like it. I would love to have a conversation with you. I'm doing this while I'm at work mm-hmm. and not doing work, right? So <laughs> it's like you, you're kind of out of line. But at the same time, I was so passionate about getting behind the camera wherever I was. I did literally any and everything. Like you a college student, that's mm-hmm. you hustle, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I remember my manager telling me, she was like, you know, yeah, I know that you want to like have conversations with people, but try to do it off the clock. <laughs> I was like, I said, oh, you peeped? And she was like, yeah, like, I, I know, like, I understand, but you know, just, you know, do it when you don't have to be working. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like, I respect that. Cause she could easily been like, look, girl. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. That's but true. she was really nice. And I met with a couple of people. Um, they watched the documentary and they said they really liked it. But it's hard to transition from creating a documentary to working for a TV network that focuses on, like, weather. Okay. Because it's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 
companies run different and filming has so many different pockets that because you can do one thing doesn't mean you could do this. Okay. Like if you're a producer for action film doesn't mean you're really great at producing a romance. Like if you're doing documentaries doesn't mean you could do like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, action or I guess right. would action be a part of the Weather Channel? Because I get, so t- what type of videos did the Weather Channel produce other than and everybody always says that because, you know, you think, you think Weather Channel, you're like, all right, is it raining today or not? <laughs> That's all I'm here for. Yeah. But we actually had like real content. We had like shows, but oh. I mean, people don't come to the Weather Channel for shows, but we were trying to transition okay. into like a space of come to the Weather Channel for everything. Like be here all day, watch your news in the morning and then watch sick, not a sitcom, but like watch a TV show later mm-hmm. that has to do with weather like they would do like home building or weird stuff like okay. that hey and then you mentioned romantic was that like just you were just pulling that out yeah yeah you... we don't have no a scene in the in the rain kissing oh god that would be funny though that would be really i funny. mean it's a spin depending on whatever the executives were trying to get you know <laughs> Oh, romance. Yeah. Okay, so you were hustling on the side. You mm-hmm. were using that video to pretty much use your provide credibility to say, Hey, I've done this. Yeah. Do you think this is something I can work with in a career? Yeah. You had a couple people say I liked it and then you, But Okay. Yeah, like they were but but what? How would you feel? But like you need more experience. Okay. You, know, you always hear that when you graduate from college, like you need experience. How am I supposed to get if you don't hire me? Yeah. In hindsight, what do you think you would have told that person? Hire You're me. Young. You would just been like, no, just hire me now. Yeah, Come hire me. Test like, me. what I don't know, I will learn. And what I do know, I'll bring it to the table. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hustle. That's yeah. that's what you do when you hustle, right? Yeah. You bring to the table what you know. And while you do, while you're in the middle of it, you learn everything else. Mm. Well, how did you handle it then? Like, when you got um, those? I wasn't sad. I was just like, all right, who next? Who can I hit up next? Like, I've always, I always have like this solution mentality. Like, I'm always looking for, okay, that didn't work. So, what will? Mm-hmm. So, it, it didn't really stop me, but, okay. I got you. So, how long were you at the Weather Channel? <laughs> but I'm like two years. Okay. Two years. And then we were bought by IBM and the Weather Channel kind of like the department split up. You know, when you get bought over by another company, they come in, a lot of things change. Mm-hmm. Um, Ended up leaving the whole department, kind of just everybody went their own way, pretty much. Okay, yeah. and um, and kind of folded under IBM. Mm-hmm. Okay, so two years, you were like, eh. was that because you thought you were going to leave sooner, or mm-hmm. why? What was that reaction for? I guess it was like I was just so eager to get to production and behind the camera that I was like, look, if I if I don't get it now, I'm out. Like, mm-hmm. cause you just don't want to be complacent. You don't want to get stuck. You don't want to be somewhere doing something that you don't enjoy for too long. Yeah. And then your, your dreams and your hopes kind of like fall to the wayside. Yeah. I just didn't want that. Got you. So that's yeah. why when you look back at two years, you think that was longer than it should have been. I really should have stayed. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, re- I really could have stayed because there's so many departments you could end up in, like, and you could just learn so many different things. But I don't regret leaving because, mm-hmm. you know, I love where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hindsight 2020. Absolutely. Who knows where I would be, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. But depending yeah. on who, it's, it's like, uh, I talk about like big thinking and then big success. But if you want to get to where you want to 
go the variables just is where you were so yeah you were in a mm-hmm. good environment how you could get up there you were doing the right things like talking to the right people but that who matters yeah so it's like if you got to find the right mentor the right person to hear you the person who's in the right mindset to even be willing to give you a leg up because mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of that stuff matters and for sure so you made the right decision for your own career it sounds like yeah so I what was the next so. i mean it sounds <laughs> like it yeah (laughs) um after that i was uh, not working for six months okay did you just leave Mm mm-hmm okay because you know like i said when you're young you just feel like i could do anything like you know i'm gonna be two days without a job and end up as a manager next week like you know, you just have that, like, unstoppable mentality, mm-hmm. which is great, mm-hmm. but you have to throw a little realism in there. <laughs> no. Um, but should you, though? Because... Why not? So, it's sometimes I think that naivety mm-hmm. is what creates action. Okay. Like, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm with that, yeah. You took action and you learned from it. Mm-hmm. So, you could have stayed and you could have gone up the ranks, but that wasn't necessarily what was for you. Your heart yeah. said move, so you move. And then whatever happened in those six months is what happened. But before mm-hmm. we get there, I need to know, <laughs> how did you get to a place where you said, no, I don't care if I don't have it. Because, you know, everybody says, get a job before you, you leave your job. So mm-hmm. something said, no, I don't care. I'm out of here. What led up to you leaving without a job? I was okay with it. Like, I know that sounds like so, like, maybe not satisfying, like that answer. But I was just okay with it. Because okay. I just felt like. I could make it happen. Okay. So you you were really just finding your role. Mm -hmm. You were just doing the job. You just weren't getting into production soon enough. Yeah. And so you said, the only way I'm going to get into production is if I leave. Yeah. So it wasn't like you hated your boss, hated your job, hated the environment. You literally were just like, I think I'm going to try a different way. Yeah. I thought the Weather Channel was a great place to work. Um, I think many people would agree. It's it's like... I love it so much. Um, I still talk about it to this day. It was just so open. Like, literally, you know how sometimes when you work for corporate, your department is your department. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on over here or on another floor, you have no idea. Yeah. The Weather Channel would do things to where it's like, this department is presenting something cool that they're working on. This big open space. You can roll up here on your scooter or your yoga ball and just, like, listen to them. We got snacks and stuff. I'm just like, this is real life. This is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. you learn literally about every department just by, they would just let you know, like, you want to come here about this today? Of course. You meet people that way. That is so You network. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which okay. most companies don't do. So. Most companies don't do. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, I've, I've worked in both a very camaraderie-driven company and then mm-hmm. also a silo type of company. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had to, like, broker relationships just because of my personality. And then, but it was so funny. Um, quick story. The first time I came to my, my last company, um, I got used to, like, doing coffee chats. So my mm-hmm. first company was Target. We just, leaders knew, knew you were going to put 30 minutes on the calendar just to get to know them. So oh, the cool. first time I did it at my cool. next company. I thought it was cool. And it's, it's kind of a part of my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did it at my next company, it was just like, so what are, what are we here for? So oh, no. It was just like, so what can I help you with? Yeah. And it was just so much more like nothing. But I should have been more prepared because I did oh, not think wow. that she was going to be like grilling me. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel personable. It didn't feel mm-hmm. like a networking environment. It right. didn't feel like you were allowed to know what was going on in somebody else's department unless somebody would think. You were trying to vie for a job there. Yeah. So it's very yeah. weird, very bureaucratic. 
sucks. Yeah, it does. But your job doesn't. Your yeah. side, it sounds like it was cool. However, you made your decision. Did uh-huh. you put in a two weeks notice? How did mm-hmm. that work? Yeah. You used to send an email and then your boss yeah, understood. Then, um, the weather channel was kind of like an open floor plan. So mm-hmm. there was basically like a long desk and computers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a wall here or a cubicle or a door, nothing. So literally where you're sitting, my manager would sit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, we would talk all the time. Okay. So it was no surprise. No surprise. She had no hard feelings. She was like, you know, I know you're young. You want to experience things. It's perfectly fine. Like it was great working with you. I hope you learned a lot. That's it. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't crazy. All right. So then chapter three mm-hmm. is this six-month hiatus for employment. Tell me what was that like? Living at home, mm-hmm. at my mom's house, my mother, my father, my sister, you know, everybody in the house. I, I was chilling. I didn't have no issue. I was like, oh, I get to be super creative, do whatever I want to, like mm-hmm. wake up when I want, don't have to be at work, don't have to dress up because I hate dressing up. Yeah. Um, uh, in corporate clothes anyway. It just feels restrict- restrictive to me. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. Like, whenever I come across a job, it's fine. When the money starts dwindling down and you're like, ooh, <laughs> I got to pay for my car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all these things. So it's kind of like instead of finding something that I actually wanted to do, yeah. I had to find a job that I needed to pay for stuff. Okay. So I ended up in insurance way far away from CD. Wow. Super far away. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Okay. Was there for... Lord knows how long. Way too long. Okay. A day would have been too long. <laughs> I was there. I cannot remember how long I was there. It wasn't a couple of years. Couldn't have been. It was just a terrible environment. Okay. Um, what did you have to do? Like, you were just like paper, like, a- it was like, um, uh, life insurance, medical insurance, okay. just, uh, long, sh- short term, long term disability, having conversations with people on the phone to figure out, like, are you working? What kind of condition are you in? Having conversations with the medical staff to make sure that they're still, like, not fit to work and should be receiving, you know, financial assistance. It just wasn't great. It just wasn't great. Um, calling people on the phone, first of all, just is so impersonal to me. Calling people that I don't know, like, cold calling them, yeah. it was just awkward. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel so outside of myself and not in a way that I feel like I can grow from, but in a way that um, I just know is not for me, mm-hmm. right? But I was doing it because I'm like, damn, I got these bills to pay. Like, yeah. I'll come in, I guess. Like, yeah. I'll work. Like, <laughs> but um, it just, it, yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't great. But the people that I met there, absolutely love. Like, yeah. I met one of my closest friends there, and we hang out all the time. Love her. Um, and just a, a bunch of other people we used to hang out all the time. So if I got anything from that job, it was a great set of people. Awesome. Right? And it also taught you what you don't want to do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I would think a million times before going back into insurance. Yes. But, um, yeah, ended up leaving there. Definitely put in my two weeks. I would have put in two hours if I could have because <laughs> there were to me they were just so rude. And I'm like, I just came from a great company okay. and being on a six month hiatus to working for people who clearly don't care about you, um, which is which was my first taste of corporate where people don't care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was had like a really rude manager, um, just just rude. Yeah, like, they were just rude, and um. Yeah, I don't like being disrespected when I feel like you're openly disrespecting me. Like, you're going out of your way to make sure that I know that I'm, like, inferior to you. Mm-hmm. Which, I know that I'm young and I'm a small frame person, but at the same time, like, I'm working here just like you are. Like, respect is respect, period. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Left. 
without a job or you no after i may be saying my my job's out of order because i don't work so many places but um after i left there (laughs) (laughs) after i left there i went into child care services okay which clearly you can see i'm like yeah (laughs) you know Uh once again just trying to continue to pay bills and survive and in the meantime like looking up stuff to get back into production, whatever. Mm-hmm. Started working in childcare, which I thought was a little bit closer to research and psychology and the way people think and just being around people. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible company once again. Um, but I did meet a great friend there. Hey, can yes. you manage that? You don't meet people everywhere. Um, yeah, she's great. Still talk to her to this day, but the company was just terrible. Like we came across people who didn't care about um, adopting kids; they cared about the money, and that broke my heart. And I'm like, I I can't, I can't be the one to be putting kids in homes where I know they're not cared for. They're already going from a bad situation, and I feel like I'm not helping. Um, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And the company was unprofessional, uh, whatever. So ended up leaving there too. Was it a nonprofit or, and it sounds like a, like a foster home type setup or, yeah. okay. Yeah. Where we would, we would basically get like all these files on all these kids who needed to be placed. And then we would have families who come to us uh, to get certified and like how to take care of a foster child. So we would do the training for them in-house and then uh, they would have to like sign off on all of these uh, after they take classes with us, basically saying like, OK, like I finished this course or I understand this part of raising a foster child or whatever. And then um, sometimes kids would like have to come to the office because like they had an issue with the house they were placed in. We have no place else to take them. Um, just it, it was a lot. And it wasn't necessarily what I what I went in for. Um and it, it began to get emotionally overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. And I was still young. So, you know, you don't really understand how to manage emotional stress at that time, especially when it comes to work. Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, it just it just got to be too much. And then the the owners of the company were unprofessional as well. Um, you know, I was trying my best to show them my growth in the corporate realm. But when people don't meet you with, you know, the professionalism, the professionalism yes. they're kind of like... What is this? Like, <laughs> well, I'm confused. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah, ended up leaving. I had to like block everyone from that company completely because they were con- they were like making up stories about me and the other girl who I was close to at the job, just making up stuff because we did our jobs really well. Okay, and we were really close, me and this girl. And I guess they didn't like that. Um. See, I was like, no, I'm out. out. Yes. Okay, so from the frying pit to the fire. Mm -hmm. So how did you find your way back into film? Okay, so while anytime when I'm working or not working, I'm always thinking about projects. Like, just always. Because, you know, stories are everywhere. And um, if my boyfriend watches this, he's going to laugh. But he always talks about this one story that he really just wants me to do. Um, So one day I was driving to school when I was still at Spelman and I had like a 98 Beamer. He used to break down on me, like <laughs> all types of stuff. So I'm driving to school, car breaks down, mm-hmm. gas station, and I locked my keys inside. So I'm like, damn it. So I called the guy and he's like, yeah, it's going to take me two hours to get there. So I'm like, all right, I done missed class. 
I'm chilling. So I go in the gas station and, you know, they have like the um, slot machines mm-hmm. or whatever. And they have like a table usually if you go in like a, you know, like a neighborhood gas station or something. Okay. So I'm sitting down at the table and, you know, I'm just chilling, sitting there watching people like play all these games. And this um, guy came in. He looked like he used to be in the military, older guy. And he's playing one of the games and he comes to me and then I'm like, how do you play that game? Because I don't know how to play like the lottery or nothing like that. Just I just don't. Right. So I'm Today, like, I can imagine where this is going. So I'm like, how do you play this game? And you know, he sits there and he teaches me, and I'm like, wow. And he's like, yeah, I'm here every day. And then I was like, why? And he was like, you know, I was in the military, I injured myself, and you know, I had. He was like, this is basically my lifeline. This is my hope. Like I come in here all the time, just hoping to win some money, take it home to my wife. And okay. I was like, there's a story there. Yeah. Like people who you see, people really come in and play these yeah. games with like hope and like I'm hoping to win something like I need this this is my faith this is my lifeline and I just think it's an untapped area that I don't think a lot of us pay attention to you see people play a lot of all day when you're going to pay like for gas right yeah but why are they doing it and why are you not right what's the story what is the story so my boyfriend is like you should just do that like that'd be so cool like I don't know anything about it either but you know if you don't have time to dedicate to it Mm -hmm. so I was like I'll sit on it but it was just an idea. Um, that is a great idea. <laughs> I mean, and if he's still over there, just if he's so, still over there, yeah, just, just ride through. But. And if he actually hit big, that's an even bigger story. I know. Because at that first you're thinking great. like, sorry to break it to you, mm-hmm. but this is not the way. But if this man was <laughs> like, yes, yes, like who, you know, who are we to tell him that his dream isn't wasn't waiting for him? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I mean, I learned something while I was waiting to get my car fixed. You know, I wasn't tripping about it. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Like I said, I had already missed class. All right. I'm here. Yeah, make the most of it. Yeah, so like I, I was only saying that to say that I'm always thinking about projects, regardless of what job I'm on. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about it or when I'm not working. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about projects, too. Um, So I got back to film because I had a project in mind, and I told my dad about it. And my dad said, ooh, I know this guy who, um, he works for Caribbean Life TV. Pitch the project to him and see what he says. Pitch it to him. Loved it. He was like, okay, we're going to bring you on board. They brought me on board, but I ended up working on their projects and not mine. Which initially I was like, okay, they wanted me to direct. They wanted me to like manage these TV shows that they had going. And I thought it was fine. You know, and it was for a while until I realized I'm stretching myself thin, mm-hmm. you know, trying to work on your stuff, trying to work on mines. And then it was an internship. I wasn't getting paid. So I had to have a job. Right. Okay. So um, I started just interviewing for research again. Like I got to get back in the, in the door some kind of way. I interviewed for Cox Media. Okay. And then the very next day. I got a DM from um, this woman who was close to my boss at the Weather Channel. And she was like, oh, we have a spot open at Bounce. Do you want to come in for an interview? And I was like, yeah, of course. So I had two research interviews back to back. And Cox had already gave me an offer. Great offer. Loved it. Um, And I was like, oh, I'm definitely going with them. Like, the money is there. You know what I'm saying? Like... And then I got an offer from Bounce. And when I went in for my interview, even though they didn't offer me as much, the environment and the women that I was going to be working with, I fell in love with because it reminded me a lot of the research. I mean, of the Weather Channel. I was like, mm-hmm. this is because I used to love it so much. I'm like, it only makes sense 
to go with what you feel instead of what's going to pay you, right? Because yeah. somebody says they'll pay you close to six figures and you get fired before the end of the year, you don't make six figures. So right. what's the point? Right. So I ended up going there and I've been there for going on five years now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There's so much to unpack there. So you went, so did you negotiate? I'm just curious. Did you negotiate your salary? I didn't. I'm like, I sh- that's one thing I probably should have learned more when I was working in corporate, like pay attention to the fact that you could do that, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I didn't. And, you know, silly me, but well, you know what? It, the funny, that's not. It's, I hate that. I have to stop saying funny because this mm-hmm. is not gonna be funny what I say. But, <laughs> but the vast majority of women mm-hmm. and then women of color, we don't negotiate our salaries, and we find ourselves sitting next to a counterpart, a white mm-hmm. counterpart, a white male counterpart mm-hmm. who is let least less educated than us. And makes like, you know, 10 or 20K more than we do. Agreed. And it's literally because we didn't ask. Yeah. And I think that is one thing that if we could tell more of our people in corporate to just ask for it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, stand on it. Because like you said, when you research, like, stand on it, know what your value is, and then be able to like, you know, talk about your your, Mm -hmm. um, education, your experience, and that kind of thing. Because a lot of us don't. A lot yeah, of us don't. That's so don't, true. I didn't. Yeah. Don't even worry I about it. I didn't. So, okay. So, but you still got a salary that you wanted. What would you say is like the, was like the um, developing part of those five years? Like you said, you, you said it was the women, the culture. Mm-hmm. What type, what type of growth did you get to see over the last like five years from mm-hmm. who you were when you started Bounce and now? Oh boy. Hmm. That's a tough one. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I learned so much while being there. Um, definitely from the people that I was working with and for sitting down and being still for so long in one place. Because, you know, I'm telling you, I'm like bouncing around, working here, working there. And I get to bounce and I'm here for five years, like yeah. with the same people doing the same thing, which is, you know, something I haven't done before. Um so I learned to be patient, for one. Um, I learned that sometimes things will come to you um, instead of you having to feel like, oh, I need to go out and get it. Like, I need to leave this and attack this. Like, that kind of aggressiveness that I had when I first left school, I kind of, like, um, tamed it down a little bit. And not not to use that word in a negative way, but I learned how to channel it. I'll say that. Yeah. So I stayed there for five years because I wanted to give it a chance. Like, kind of like what I told you before about the Weather Channel, you know, I could have stayed. So I wanted to apply that same mentality to this company, stay, and figure out what happens, like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and when it came to making connections with people, I didn't slide in their DMs. Like, I really created, like, relationships with people at work because nice. it was a smaller company, mm-hmm. so everyone knew each other. Okay. So, like, um, if we would have, like, you know, like, parties, Christmas parties and stuff, like, you know, you meet people there, then you see them at work the next day or next week, and you kind of like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, um, you know, like, you walk around the office on your break, and you walk past somebody's office that, like, you know now, and you can knock on the door, and you go in there, and they're working. And you're like, hey, what you working on? Mm-hmm. And it's a producer. Hey, what you working on? It's an editor. Yeah. And you get a little bit closer. I felt like I was getting a little bit closer to being able to slide into the slot that I wanted because I was creating real relationships and not just going after people for, you know, that aggressive, hey, look at my look at my work and tell me if you can hire me. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. That's right. So 
let's not forget that you were on a, a production spree. Like you had mm-hmm. to get production. That's the reason you quit the Weather Channel. Mm-hmm. So like, did you over the last five years did you forget about that that part, or how did that evolve? Uh, I didn't forget about it. I this is gonna sound so terrible. <laughs> Well, to anybody in research, maybe. I really started falling in love with it. Like, oddly enough. Really? I really did. Because the the team that I was working with, for one, it was all black women. Mm-hmm. And my boss made a, <laughs> she made a thing about it. She was like, I want to hire black women of color to, I mean, black women of color. <laughs> women, of color <laughs> <laughs> women of color to work in the research field. Because you don't really see that that often. It was five of us. All of us African-American very very smart women and you know we held our own in a company that was initially started out as black owned and then like you know more white people started coming in she was like you know research team is gonna hold it down like you know black women over here like you know research is kind of like the heart of uh, media because how do you know if you're doing well or not well like you need research yeah so she was like i just want to continue to put y'all in positions to be powerful as far as that goes like let people know that you are smart so I loved it because I loved what she was doing for us. Um, I loved how she was uh, transforming us in that way. So it was more so about the energy that I was getting than this ain't production. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. So enjoying where you were, yeah. and that's what like that's what took you five years without feeling like oh I'm missing out on exactly. production. It's I'm really loving research. Mm-hmm. So. I'm curious what the team was made of, like the a team of black women uh-huh. in research. Mm-hmm. Your degree was psychology, psychology and women's studies and women's studies. Mm-hmm. And the your other team members and your boss, what what were their like backgrounds? So my director actually went to Spelman and she's mm-hmm. worked at the Weather Channel. So I'd already known her. Mm-hmm. And then um, we, we've had like maybe about three different people come in and out since I've been there in that department, but still all like black women. So we had another lady come from Viacom, and she was Jamaican, okay. you know, Caribbean, love it. Yes. And then um, the lady who hired me from LinkedIn, she also used to work at the Weather Channel. She's best friends with my old boss from right. the Weather Channel. So, mm-hmm. you know, me and her were cool because of that. And uh, she was from New York, so very like, you know, I'm going to get mine type of energy, which yeah. I had a little bit of. Mm-hmm. So I love that about her. And then... um. This other girl that worked there, like, she got hired right before me. Her name was Ashley, and she used to work in fashion. And, you know, she she was just so well put together. And, like, she spoke well, but she was also from New York, so she had that. You know what I'm saying? So everybody on the team had a little spice to them. And, you know, spicy women plus a smart woman plus, like, you know, everybody was beautiful. I'm just like, yo, this is it. Okay? This is where I'm supposed to be right now for whatever reason. And I just soaked it all in. Mm. So, yeah. That is so lit. Mm -hmm. So, if there was a person who wanted... Did you ever do hiring or interviewing in that role? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, what type of things were you looking for to let a person into that circle? Um, Somebody who wasn't abrasive. Somebody who was open to learning, um, somebody who also wanted to sit still for a little while, mm. because I know for me, that's what, like I said, that's what I learned to sit still. So you don't want you don't want someone who's coming in and saying like, you know, I plan on doing this and this and this and this, because to me, that sounds too familiar to how I was bouncing around. Mm-hmm. And if I know that I learned a lot from coming in and sitting down and paying attention, I also paid attention to who is also coming in for that as well. Mm-hmm. So the girl that we found, awesome. 
really awesome, um, smart, and she hadn't worked in um, TV or research before, but she was so driven and she wanted like, you know, just to go from one career to another yeah. that 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 in itself made her want to come in and sit down and soak it up. So I was like, she's the one. Because you can teach people how to do this. Okay. But you can't teach someone, like, characteristics and energy. And it, it just fit. She just fit. That is so cool. And so that was going to be my next question because um, it sounds like, even though we didn't talk about their degrees, but the women that you that were on your team were all mm-hmm. from different facets. Even though y'all had that spice yeah. that, was, that was similar, um, it doesn't sound like they needed, like, what type of education were you guys looking for? Or was there any type of education, even though? they? I mean, you're supposed to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, have a degree in something, in something. similar to okay. research. but Like statistics for, or? Yeah, but like, I mean, my degree wasn't in statistics. Right. But as a psychologist, you to get that degree, you have to take statistics courses. So mm-hmm. she knew that I was exposed to it. But at the same time, she's kind of just like, I can teach you that. You know what I mean? Which I love because back in the day when you want to get a job and they're like, oh, you don't have experience, they're not going to hire you. Yes. But she was like, I can teach you. I I'll that. teach you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we weren't really looking for people who, um, oh, do you have a degree in this? What school did you graduate from? Because, I mean, that's that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of pressure. And sometimes people just want a chance. Like, mm. just give them a chance. That is literally in in the moment, practical, practically coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. The number one characteristic that um, any corporation can can um, benefit from when hiring mm-hmm. women of color because we know what a diversity hire looks like. It's not just their skin color, right? It's what their passion looks like, what their interests look True. like, um, what their background looks like, and then you looking at their behavior and saying like, would they be able to soak up this information and mm-hmm. learn on the go? Yeah, like learning on the go. That right there. So uh, it's called um, so it's called a uh, navigational. The navigational cult it's like cultural capital. Okay. And so when you just explain like how she was a good fit and how you knew she like how you knew when candidates wouldn't be a good fit based on um their interest and wanting to do all these X, Y, and Z to mm-hmm. a to an untrained mind or to a non woman of color, mm-hmm. you might think, Oh, they're ambitious. Yeah. They want to work in yeah. all of the departments in the company and that's why they'd be a good fit. But you're like, Hold on, wait a minute now. Mm-hmm. You coming from that navigational cultural capital where you're like oh that's not going to help you navigate in this industry that's not going to help you navigate your career well so you don't even want to set her up for failure because Mm -hmm. this requires you to be able to sit still and be patient yep like what you're saying is like literally practically what that social capital that cultural capital looks Mm -hmm. like in a black woman in a powerful black woman and then in a team of smart black women who are hiring in a research role yeah so that is so um impactful i almost forgot my other thought because you like that just (laughs) that is literally on this is what it was because Mm -hmm. as we talk about all this stuff that you've done i know you've done so many different careers which i think is it's actually a um an advantage because you know what you don't like i try to help people understand the value of exploring Mm -hmm. but it's scary to explore and you literally You know, child care, insurance, um, the weather company. Like, you are literally exploring. Not to mention, you guys, Kanisha is a, what do they call it? Serial entrepreneur. A serial entrepreneur, You are a serial entrepreneur. From fitness Mm -hmm. to, um, well, so from fitness to um, elevated picnics. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, I feel like there's another one. 
Well, there's two, but they fall under fitness uh, mm. core that I deal with my my friends that I met when I was working in insurance. Oh, you met her in insurance? Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, okay. And that's, that's the friend that I was talking about that I'm really, really close to. We started a business together. That is so cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not only that, um, you were getting ready to, to start your own bar, like at least have a, be a stake owner in a bar industry. So mm-hmm. I think that plus elevated picnics, mm-hmm. Kanisha has done all of these things while being a corporate employee. Uh, yeah. That's very difficult. But it's lit. <laughs> oh my God. And you do it looking fabulous. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So tell us. Okay. There seems to have been a shift because mm-hmm. when you left the weather company, that girl doesn't seem like she would have been able to manage her job and um, the entrepreneurial world. So where was the shift and what does that look like for you now? Hmm. Um, like the, the first thing that comes to mind is not even a professional shift. It's a personal shift. Because um, my boyfriend now, we met each other when we were in high school, when I was like 15. And we were on and off dating and kind of like best friends at the time. And, you know, when, you, when you're when you not like in a committed relationship, you're dating several people. Mm-hmm. And one day I came to see him and he looked at me and he was like, your energy is all over the place. And I was like, mm. me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know, I just feel like you're not here. You know, you're here, but you're not here. And I thought about it, and I was like, you know, I am talking to several people, and energy is very transferable. And I'm just like, it, it could also just be the fact that I'm spreading myself thin. Like, I'm in so many things. Like, I understand you have a lot of passion for things or people, but people can sense when you're, like, not aligned. And I couldn't sense that I wasn't aligned because I was paying attention to everything else outside of me. So, um... When I slowed down with the amount of people I was talking to, <laughs> and then when I slowed my mind down with the amount of attention I was giving everything, I was able to like transition from that busy girl, just doing stuff to be busy and to like, you know, get to where I wanted to get to, to the girl who be present and then figure out, you know, how to get there when the time comes. Everything doesn't have to happen right now. Like... And, you know, it just, that just worked for me. Something he said that day just clicked and I'm like, yo, he's right. Ooh. I'm all so over the place. If we can get a timeline, you left the weather company, what year? I started there in 2014. So about 2016. 2016. Mm-hmm. And then you started Bounce when? Oh boy. When did I start Bounce? Well, five ha- has years. to Has to be around that time, but like later in that year. Okay. And so that means in between in between that time, um, oh, it was the I year was that barely you, at that childcare place because I hated it. I was barely at that insurance place because I hated it. Mm-hmm. So that was a year of like a lot of bouncing. Yeah, <laughs> bouncing. <laughs> no pun intended, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So then, when did you have that conversation with your boyfriend? I really don't even know because we weren't like locked down with each other yet. Mm-hmm. We're still like. Yeah, you cool, but yeah. he cool too. Mm-hmm. Like we were in that phase, and I can't remember when that was because we just been talking to each other for so long that everything is like a blur. Yeah, yeah, and it was, but it was after the Weather Channel. Yeah, 
That's sure. interesting. Mm-hmm. Because like you, even though we're having this conversation about like careers, mm-hmm. so much of what we do is really personal. Yeah. Like everything that is going right inside will go right in your job, mm-hmm. whether you're entrepreneur or corporate. And so you just literally spoke to like, if there's something like you had the, I want to say luxury, but or privilege, but the universe really sent you someone who could see you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you couldn't see yourself at that point. Yeah. And I think I would say, I would, I would venture to say that that's what helped you level up in your professional career. I agree. And maybe even what helped you sit down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like when you said you started bouncing, you're like, I'm going to sit here because that's one thing I didn't learn from my first career. Yeah. That might've just been a little, a, a, bl- a bug or a seed that was planted. For sure. That helped you. For sure. And now I got to give him a gift or something. <laughs> Okay, so, all right, so, um, the entrepreneurial life, mm-hmm. how much, how much of your story do you want to share when it comes to, so Elevated Picnics is so lit, if you guys go to Instagram, it's at Elevated Picnics, right? Yep. And the company really just kind of blossomed. Um, and one thing that we haven't talked about, guys, is that, um, you're leaving Bounce in some, mm-hmm. in four weeks? Yep. And very excited that is that is exciting are you are you leaving to be a full-time entrepreneur Mm -hmm. so tell us more about the shift oh boy so I've always like had an entrepreneurial mind because my dad is entrepreneur has always been um since I was born he doesn't like necessarily working for anybody else he likes carving out his own you know, way. And my mom was a little different. Uh, she works in healthcare, but it's still kind of entrepreneurial because she didn't work under like a big company umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, she had like individual clients. Okay. And then we're also not from this country. And, you know, we were, we lived in Brooklyn for a while. We lived in Miami for a while. So hustling is like, you know, in DNA. Yeah. You, you see it, you become <clears throat> it, you live it, you operate that way. So even when I was younger, I used to do like little things like, you know, braid hair on the bus, $5. Yep. Like, <laughs> you need the hair putting the ponytail today, $5. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You know, it's just part of who I was. And it wasn't a money hungry thing. It was a, this just coming natural to me. You know, like, if you need my services, even when I'm 12 years old, we can do it. Like, it's fine. So, um, I've just always been that way on that wave. Like, you know what I'm saying? I will work for somebody, but at the same time I'm thinking about, okay, well, when I do have my own company, what can I take from this to make, help me figure out how to operate? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, when it comes to bounce, the transition is happening because we're understaffed and I've been working there for a very long time and we, the the black women team that we had, the woman who hired all of us, she decided to leave because she felt like she was being undervalued. Great lesson to learn for me because, like, you know, she has been working here for the longest. She hired all of us. And if she feels like the company is undervaluing her, it kind of puts us in a position to be exposed to also being undervalued and just how much because she wasn't there to buffer anymore. Mm-hmm. So she's like, you know, she had a conversation with us on a Saturday, which... You know, obviously we had to have a good relationship for you mm-hmm. to call me on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, yeah, you know, I just want to be real with y'all. I took a package. Um, you know, we were bought over by a bigger company and they're making a lot of changes and a lot of shifts and they don't see the value in me and what I've done for this team. Cool. Completely understand it. Um, so she was like, you know, not saying that you guys should leave, but just telling you all the decision I made. 
um, so that you're not surprised or shocked or anything. And then they brought in someone to replace her, and it was a white male. Completely threw off what we had going on for years, right? And he's not a bad person, but it did shift the energy of the group, right? Then they brought in two other women, but they're white women, which I don't have a problem with, but it just continued to shift the energy of the group. And my boss that left, she was so instrumental in like helping us get to where we wanted to get to. And then she would also tell us in the office while we're at work, like, make sure you got a backup plan. Like, you never know what could happen. Like, you know, something happens to the company tomorrow. Like, you know, make sure you're still thinking about your passions or whatever. And anybody who tells you that in a corporate space, I think it's very, very important to take heed to. Absolutely. So, you know, while I'm working, I'm like, oh, my boss said I should have a backup plan. I got that backup plan. I'm still an entrepreneur at heart. So yes. she's just telling me, kick it into high gear. Did it. So Woo! behind the scenes, started working at bar, right? Yeah. Um, Which is very interesting, actually, because I was training at another bar studio in Atlanta that was predominantly white. Okay. And I was there for like six months, going to trainings at like 6.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. till about 7.30, then taking a shower, then driving all the way to the city to go to work um, for bounce mm-hmm. at 9 in the morning. Okay. Just because I was like, you know, this is something I feel like I want to do. This is an entrepreneurial step in my head. Yeah. Six months down the road, they tell me like, you're too dancey. Okay, I'm a dancer every day since I was four years old. That's not going to. It's who I am. So right. Mm-hmm. So that same day, somebody DM'd me information about bar remix and was like, "Hey, I seen this bar studio. You should check it out." Okay. I was like, "All right, y'all rejected me after work today because it was down the street from my job. Drive out here, ran into Elena. She was up there like setting it up. Yeah. And I told her about it. And she was like, "Girl, just come in here." So just coming here, she was like, you know, I like your energy. I feel like you got something to bring to the table. We're literally going through auditions right now. Just come on. That's awesome. And that's how I ended up there. Okay. And it was, it's literally four minutes away from Bounce, like driving down the street. So it became like easy for me to work there and then drive down the street and go teach a class because in my head, I'm thinking this is my backup plan, Mm. right? So I'm trying to build with this company because who knows what could happen with my nine to five. So anyways, after she left, um, the new people came in and they pretty much started to bog us down with work. Like, I'm talking about we felt used completely. I'm working till 11 p.m. sometimes, um, just overdoing it without any kind of appreciation. Not saying that you have to have it, but mm-hmm. it goes a long way after, you know, you, you're overworking yourself. So, mm-hmm. um... I just realized, like, you know, I fell in love with research, not necessarily for the research aspect, but for the energy of the team, like I was telling you what I was getting from it. And that started to diminish when she left. And then my director was talking about leaving. And I'm kind of like, you know, not saying that I'm leaving for y'all, but I feel like I've gotten all I need to get from here. Yeah. You know, because I've done research before. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know how to do this. And now the the positivity that I was getting from working with these women is no longer available to me because... We are literally ripping at the seams. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hold it out. I'm going to see how long I can stick this out because I told myself I would be patient and then ended up finding out that I was pregnant, right? Which was great. It was great. And then my mom was like, Kanisha, like, you you are one of the busiest people I know. You're teaching classes. You're working at nine to five. You know, you and Saki just started this business. Like, what are you going to do when the baby comes? 
And I'm like, mm, she's probably right. Like, yeah. I need to, <laughs> need to make some shifts somewhere. So I thought about it and I'm like, you know, what can you cut out that isn't serving you right now? And it was my nine to five because I was so stressed out just trying to like meet these deadlines and, you know, cover for people who had, you know, left the company and all these things. And I'm like, why are you taking on that responsibility when you just shouldn't? Yeah. Like you already feel a sense of release as far as this goes. You already feel detached. You already feel complete as far as what you need to learn. Step away yeah. and be okay with the decision to step away because something else is about to step in that's going to require a little bit more attention from you. Mm-hmm. So literally I had woke up one day. It was a Monday. I'm sitting at the computer and I'm in a meeting, like a Zoom meeting. And I'm like, I can't do this no more. Like, this is it for me. Like, so I called um, my director and I told her, I was like, you know, I have a baby coming. I can't be stressed. I have a company that's like super successful and I can't give it 110% because I'm here overworking myself. Um, so then she was like, I feel you, you know, leave if you have to leave. Do what you have to do. Like you've been here for quite some time, you know, like you're great. I would hate to see you go, but I completely understand it. Mm. So the next day I put in my resignation. And felt very calm and secure about it. Ooh. Yeah. Now the difference. <laughs> now when you left um, the Weather Channel, there's I'm looking at it as two different transitions. When you left the Weather Channel, it wasn't because you were stressed, but you didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And then when you left this one, when you made the decision, it was like, hold up, wait a minute, before I even get stressed, let me make, let me cut this at the, mm-hmm. at the nip it at the bud. Yeah. But you also have something going on, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different than when you were at um, the weather, weather, weather yeah, channel. Definitely. So it sounds like all of the things that you have just gone through <laughs> in this entire journey have, has really like set you up for this specific transition because now that you're leaving your nine to five, you've already started. So since bar, you've already mm-hmm. started to build up this like entrepreneurial like muscle, right? So mm-hmm. you're already managing your schedule. You are already um, managing your your revenue and your income in yep. that that realm. You had two different buckets, and so once you like let go of the nine to five, mm-hmm. well, actually, before we even say that, then you picked up um, elevated picnics. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like there was a little bit of overlap between bar and elevated picnics. Yep, there was. Okay. So you were doing the two, and now Elevated Picnics is taking on a, a, a whole identity of its own. Absolutely. So really, it's not that you're you're not like leaving for nothing. You're like leaving for an elevation, mm-hmm. and this isn't even this is like a cool elevation because you're going into work for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're about to have a whole new life in this world. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is a huge <laughs> chapter for you, and the blessing is. Who doesn't want to go on an elevated picnic? Mm-hmm. Now, a little bit about your business. Um, how did that even come about? Like, what's the elevation? What's the evolution? Nice. I, I know. Right? Right? <laughs> I see what you did. That's cute. Yeah, let's see. What, what, how did it? How did it come about? Tell us more. Okay, so COVID hit, right? Yeah. Um, while I was working in Buckhead at my nine to five, so we transitioned to working at home. Mm-hmm. Um, my boyfriend, on the other hand, used to manage all the events on the roof of Pont City Market. So when COVID hit, people weren't having private events anymore. So he got let go. And he was really like, you know, sad about it because you've met him. His personality is like through the roof. He loves people. Like putting events together is like his thing. And he fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like for the first day he was down and, you know, I told him like, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, you're going to find better. Let him go through his feelings and stuff. 
I feel like the next day or maybe the day after that, he looked at me in the bed and he was like, you know, we both been working separately. Like you do your thing. I do my thing. You know, we're home now with each other. Like, let's work on something together. Let's come up with a business together. And at first I was like, boy. <laughs> but then he was like, no, I'm serious. Like, you know, take a day. You come up with some stuff. I come up with some stuff. Let's compare it and then like pick what we feel like literally he gave me homework yeah that's dope though yeah yeah he's awesome so um we came up with like a list of things and then we presented it to each other like in a a workspace like you know had a little board like all right look this is my idea this is why it should work out and he gave me his opinion on you know my ideas and then vice versa and we came up with two really good ones and then we're like well which one could we do right now and elevated picnics is the one that hit because it was like you know we can make a picnic right so we started like gathering things and it was like you know we we can be extra sometimes as individuals so we're like oh let's add this and let's add this and it kind of like took off and yes. you know the name kind of it came to us while we were working on it and people love it you know he said to me the other day i didn't think we would do this well with this it really like grew legs and ran away from us yeah you know so yeah we, we love it that's, that's oh. how it happened Okay, so I'm just curious for the entrepreneur listen mm-hmm. listening who um, starts with an idea and they think they want to execute it. Like, what were some of the pieces that um, went into it? And then, like, where would you say you you are in terms of growth of the company? Would you say mm-hmm. like it's still in its infancy phase? Phase, or do you still feel like you're catching momentum and you're still on an incline? How would you yeah. describe that? Well, first, how do you get those pieces together to execute? Mm-hmm. And then, then what phase would you say you're in? So. First, what we did was we we really put a lot of energy into finding a great picnic basket. <laughs> that sounds so funny, but I swear to you, like hours searching on the internet for like this basket ain't cool enough. Like, and we found one that was so hard to find. It was like a somebody was hand making it or something, and like you could put wine in it, and then have like a cooler in the back and all this cool stuff and we ordered it and we were like wait till it comes like and it came and at first we didn't really like it and then we we're like let's just try it and then we built around the picnic like added things that elevated the basket you know for lack of better words yeah. right and we set up a picnic in our um computer room at home in our office we set it up on the floor like a mock setup and then we set up something on our front lawn, like a mock setup. We would buy it. We would look at it and be like, oh, we need this. And then we would buy it. And then we would do the setup again. And we'd be like, oh, we should add this. Buy it. You know, see what works. And then um, finally we got to a point to where we were like, we think, we think this is good. And we, um, we invited my sister who takes really great photos and then a couple of friends. And we we're like, you know, y'all just come out and pose for us. And then we had my sister take the pictures and then that's how we formed the social media and the website from Squarespace. And then our first day, we put it up and we we're like, let's just see what happens. And we got a client on our first day. Oh my God. Yeah, and they were so in love with it. And we we're just like, dang, we're booked already. And then after that, just wow. You guys were booked on the first day the first of day. lift of the up. very first day. That is dope. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I would imagine part of it is because like we were in Corona and people were just ready to do stuff. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, for sure. So I mean, but it sounds like perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And then were you guys ready to take the bandwidth that you got like so soon, or how did the ele- ele- we keep saying elevation? I know, I know it's just it's everything. It's a great word. Yeah. It's a great word. How did the elevation happen? Like, did you, were you able to take the bandwidth and 
How's the support? Um, it's it's still a tug of war because you know you wanna you wanna serve more clients, but you also have to realize what your where your capabilities end, mm-hmm. right? So initially we were doing three picnics a day, a 10 a.m., a 2 p.m., and a 6 p.m. because, you know, I'm still working my 9 to 5 at home and, you know, he's not working. So during the 10 and the 2, he can go out there and handle it. And then I can go out there for the 6 and, you know, we can make it work. And then it started to get um, very, (laughs) we started to get really booked. Okay. And I'm like, dang, like, I don't want him running out there all the time doing it by himself. Like, you know, we need people. And then sometimes for the 10 a.m., I would go out there with him at 8.30 before work, set up the picnics, and then leave. And he would meet the client. And I would, like, bring my computer and be working in the car or, you know, sign on so I could see. Mm-hmm. That I'm here, you know, you know, just trying to make it work, you know what I mean? And that that's another reason why I feel like I had to leave because I'm like, like my job is impeding in everything that I'm trying to do right yeah. now. Like I'm literally carrying around this bulky computer just to shake my mouse or answer emails or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is so unnecessary. Like you got all these clients on the back end trying to book you and you're giving your attention to a nine to five. Do you feel you already feel done with? So, you know, that played a part in me leaving too. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we eventually told ourselves like, we have to hire bottom line. We got to hire. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way around it. Mm -hmm. So we hired three girls the other day. Super awesome. Love them. They're great. Um, And then you have to relinquish a little bit of that control for a company that you created because, you know, that's your baby. But, you know, if you want to be able to step back from doing one thing to do something else to elevate the company, you have to put people in place who could, you know, do what you do. Yeah. Um, So we started doing that. And that's been helpful. So now we've opened up all of our time slots to like double. So now we have two tens, two sixes, two twos. And then eventually we want to, because right now we've kind of like mastered that park. Mm-hmm. We want to have a team at every park in Atlanta nice. and hopefully be able to travel to another state, nice. you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's happening. You know, that is so It's cool. rolling. Yeah, literally rolling. Y'all are rolling. I want to say downhill because the momentum is catching up. Yeah. It's wow. happening so fast. Oh my god! There's so many things. As as I'm listening to you, um, I'm thinking back to to the time when I recorded that uh, time last video. Oh um, yeah, you guys. And one thing is for sure, I didn't realize how. <laughs> like, if I thought back to if if I knew about this documentary story beforehand, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have sent you that video. Oh girl, no, I love that video. <laughs> I do love that video. I do. I'm gonna use it too. Well, if you do, if you do, but I was like, I was just thinking like how this girl is, this is your, this is your lane. So do you That's feel what? like, do you feel like film plays a part, like either film, research, production, mm-hmm. any of that, do you feel like you're going to bring it to Elevated Picnics from this point forward? Oh, for sure. I feel like I have, like um, a lot of the videos that are on our social media, I shoot them. Or um, we also have like a in-house photographer and videographer that we went to high school with, try to keep it in the family. And they come out to clients. We allow like clients to book them through us and they come out and they do like a recap video or they take pictures for them. Um, But then setting up the decor for people, you kind of have to think about how, how people are. Like, you know, you can't just seat them anywhere in here. You can't put the table anywhere. Like it kind of, it has to make sense. Mm -hmm. So, um... Me studying people for so long since college and then just being a very like um 
picturesque, like, you know, this has to fit in this frame mm-hmm. type of person. I see things from that perspective. So I think that's really helpful mm-hmm. for what we do for sure. Wow. I can ask you questions all day about this because I feel like we could go super granular about you, you scheduling and stuff, or we can go really big on like, you really gave us a good picture of where Elevated Picnics is going to go. So mm-hmm. if you guys are listening, <laughs> wait for Ele- Elevated Picnics to come to a city near you oh, because sure. that's going to be so lit. So I guess I'll ask you one other question before we head up out of here because okay. I um, I totally could keep you all day. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, but what would you say, let me think, I think this is what is on my heart to ask because I'm curious to know, like, what would you say is your your greatest accomplishment in the last, if you could pick three, mm-hmm. if, it, if it's not, if it's too many to pick one, oh my but gosh. yeah, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment since you've done so many different things and you're mm-hmm. now currently about to take another transition? The reason I ask is because it's good that we take stock an inventory of the things that we've done in the past. So many uh-huh. times, like, we just do, 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 do. And then we never, like, reflect on, what did I learn? What am I yeah. bringing? Yeah. And you, I know you reflect, so it shouldn't be too hard. But I think sitting in that, like, what are those one or three accomplishments that you are just bringing into this new phase of life? Mm. It would be really good to bring that out. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, The film, for sure. I learned a lot from doing that film, um, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely learned a lot from doing that. But another thing I'll say that I think my biggest accomplishment was uh, when we used to live in Florida, I used to be like very active in sports and I used to um, try to run like, you know, those 4Ks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, girl, you can tell I don't do it now because <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. But, um, like a 5K? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But they had this thing in Florida called Orange Bowl. And um, you can sign up for it. And it's basically like a really long run. Right? And when I was running it, I signed up for it, you know, thinking that I got this. Right? I was running it. And, like, midway through, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not making it. Like, mom, dad, come get me. Like, come pick me up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> tapping out right now. Um, and then my dad actually joined me on the um trail and ran the rest with me um which you know he talks about this story from time to time and it it really does touch my heart makes me emotional but um it really taught me to persevere you know like so you know when I would go to these jobs and I feel like I'm not smart enough for this or whatever it taught me to persevere like it's pushed through like you you like my dad joins me mentally instead of like physically during the race like I just imagine somebody very supportive standing by me and helping me get to the finish line with like everything that I do you know like even if something is difficult like working at bar or you know when you go through situations where you're not exactly um where you want to be um finish it finish it and then you feel so much better at the end so yeah Mm. definitely well, that's two. That's, that one, that, yes, look at yeah. you. See, you passed one to me. Now you passing yourself a tear. So that's mm-hmm. two. What would be? Would those be your top two? Soon, do I have a third? Mm. I do have. I do have a third. Which I hope this does not make me cry. Um, I think I turned. Yeah, I can't remember how old I was, but you know, for your birthday, people always ask you like, "What do you want?" And I just got to a point where I was like, I don't know. Like, I just, I couldn't tell you. 
I'm not a materialistic person, so I can't say like, oh yeah, give me this Gucci bag or you know, that's not me. You know that. Mm-hmm. And one year from my birthday, I decided I decided to write everyone in my immediate family a letter, right? Just thanking them for basically playing a part in who I am to that day. And it was super, super reflective for me because um, I ended up doing like a lot of apologizing for the way that I used to be. Um, Because, you know, I saw the growth in myself and, you know, I'm pretty sure my family saw it too, but I I wanted to um, dedicate my birthday to realizing that they played a huge part in the growth in very different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted it to be very intimate, you know, so I wrote it paper and pen (laughs) and um gave it to them individually um definitely did a lot of apologizing to my parents because you know they do the best that they can you know and me about to be a parent like you know I'm gonna do the best that I can and I feel like sometimes we um we expect our parents to be like superheroes like they have no faults Mm -hmm. and even in their faults I think they're amazing so same thing with my brother and my sister like you know you go through things with people very close to you but you really grow and learn from that so I was very proud of myself for getting to a reflective stage and being able to look at things that weren't exactly so pretty about me, but I could handle them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was um, that was pretty great. And I, I take that with me now. Like if I'm in a situation that's not so pretty or, you know, I feel uncomfortable, I'm like, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's beautiful. Kanisha, I want to thank you so much for making this experience so lit for me. I promise you, I'm, I'm going to be doing interviews for years to come just because of this oh, one yeah. conversation. But I love what interviews. I really love about your story. <laughs> I love interviews. You are I the- watch them all day. <laughs> so that's why you're so good at this. Because when you answer questions, and this is what... And it's not just your interview. It's, mm-hmm. it's truly your reflection. Because oh, cool. when... You think about, we're having this like career-driven conversation, Mm -hmm. but everything, and what I want everyone to know is that your personal is tied to your your job. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not, you're not what you do, you still bring who you are to the job. Absolutely. And so every step of your story is an example of like how your personal development contributed to your professional success. Mm -hmm. So people, you know, I would just urge you to like, not you, but like every, because clearly they can hear you as an example of yeah. reflection and um, self, self-reflection and then looking at yourself, reviewing things about yourself and then just kind of living better, being a better human. Mm-hmm. Because once you're able to do that, I think you'll find, you know, the the positions that you're in, you'll learn something from them mm-hmm. and from from your story. You've done a million things. <laughs> yeah. But if someone asks you who you are, they would say an inspiration. You know what I mean? Like Honest. calm spirit, very grounded. I'm talking a lot, but when you go into this next tra- chapter, mm-hmm. you're literally, these three things, these are three things that your baby will more, more than likely experience as a person. I'm so great that you didn't say like, oh yeah, you know, the membership club. I mean, that could be somebody's greatest. It could, but you said something that you can pass down that we should all do as Mm -hmm. humans. So thank you so much. Is there any last things that you'd like to say before we close out the work and play podcast? Um, what can I say? Leave us with some. 
something. It might not be all extra deep, <laughs> but um, you got definitely like don't don't fall short of what you have always been passionate about. Like find a way for it to fit into everything that you do in whatever capacity that is, for sure. Like, you know, I take film with me everywhere. Mm. And story, storytelling, pretty much, that's what it is. Yes, it is. Mm. Y'all, thank you so much for watching this interview. I have enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. So I hope you have as well. I want to recreate conversations like this mm. over and over and over. So y'all just hold me to it. If you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, even if you want to know more about my guest here, this you know <laughs> beautiful soul, then please drop it in the comments or DM me. Reach out to me at ariel at guidedcp.com. And Kanisha, how can they contact you and get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, for sure. So on Instagram, K underscore Montague, M-O-N-T-A-G-U-E. Or, of course, at Elevated Picnics um, on Instagram or elevatedpicnics.com. Thank y'all for watching. Tune in later. I will see you guys soon. Peace out, guys.